Welcome to For the Love of Dharma. I'm so happy you're here. My name is Heather Love, and I'm one of the first certified Dharma coaches in the world. This podcast will help you be more joyful, remember your purpose, and live life on your terms. Get ready to get inspired. Here we go. Hi, friends. Thanks for being here today. In case you aren't aware, February is National Cancer Prevention Month. So today I have a special guest for you. Lorinda Howarth survived cancer not once, but twice. We had a really amazing conversation and you'll hear her mention that cancer didn't happen to her, but for her. And I think there are some beautiful lessons for all of us in that and how we go about our lives. Lorinda says that things are only a problem because we take something and put meaning around it. We talk about the mind-body connection and the power of language and how the universe will make sure to provide you with whatever you say and believe. So stop telling yourself the bad stuff and start telling yourself the good stuff because it matters. She also talks about how motivation is a myth and how change really happens because of dedication and moving forward, even on the days that you don't want to. I'm excited for you to listen to this episode. So without further ado, let's welcome Lorinda to the show. Hi, Lorinda. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited you're here from the future in New Zealand, where it is tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) So weird, right? (laughs) So weird. All right. I would like to start by having you choose either blue or red. And I have a blue book and a red book, and I will select a question from whichever book you choose. I'll go with my gut. I'm going to go blue. And it's probably because I got a bright blue jumper on, but. Yes. I love that color. It's like the brightest blue. It's so pretty. What is something you should always remember, but you often forget? I'm just going to say what first thing that came to my mind and it was literally to be my own best friend Mm, I love that if you're not your own best friend you can't be a good friend to anyone else well I I just think we're so hard on ourselves like I am someone that has extreme high expectations for myself and what I achieve in my life especially what I've been through and I can sometimes not be very nice to myself <laughs> like and I think like most people right um, yeah one tip I've yeah. learned is to start talking to myself like I would talk to my younger self like my seven-year-old self and then yeah. I'm generally much nicer <laughs> yeah and a lot more fun right <laughs> right right well speaking Yeah. Speaking of child, I would love for you to tell us what were you like as a child? What did you do for fun? What was your personality like? Yeah, I was very sporty and active. I was kind I want to say super, like I was super shy, but also not like it would take me a little while to warm up. But once I was out there, but very confident when it came to sport, like my life was sport. I tried nearly every sport. I would I did gymnastics and tennis and actually any sport and I would achieve really high results and then I would stop and move on to something like it was really interesting. It just that high achiever kind of started back then, but very active, very sporty family, but netball was my sport. I just, just learned about netball. I had never heard of netball until recently. <laughs> we don't have really? it. No, it's not something we have in the U.S. Yeah. You, have a, you have a basket and you have a ball, but it's not basketball. Yeah. And so, 
<laughs> it's it's really big over here in New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, it was it was my sport. I played it six out of seven days a week. Amazing. So, Do you remember yeah. what you wanted to be when you were little? Yeah, I wanted to play for the national netball team, but I also wanted to be a lawyer, which was really weird. Like, did um, you like to argue with people or <laughs> no? The complete. I just wanted to help people. I my whole uh, life I've been wanting to be of service and help people, but I don't. I don't know what it was. I just I wanted to be a lawyer. Never really came, you know, didn't really come to fruition. (laughs) Quite the opposite, actually, but interesting. My mom told me I should be a lawyer because I like to argue with people. So that's why I asked that question. (laughs) I tell you what, if we were in an argument, you'd win because I'm just like, my brain goes numb and dead. And it's always once an argument's finished, I think of everything that I want to say. So I'd be no good. You wouldn't want me defending you, that's for sure. (laughs) So let's move into more recent events. So you are now a cancer survivor. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your story and your journey with cancer. Yeah, sure. 2017, I was kind of, I was just really unwell, just super tired. And I just thought literally I'd been, I think I'd been working about a year after having my daughter. Um, and I was just thought I was a busy working mom, right? You just go, go, go. Um, and I remember we've got like a big bridge here in Auckland and I was driving over the bridge and I was like, I wonder if I've got cancer. And I was kind of like really bizarre, just kind of thought popped into my head. And I thought, wow, I need a straight jacket. Cause that's pretty depressing. Like, so I started going to the doctor, obviously, and really pushing. I had to push for the tests and say, look, something's not right. And I got a doctor that just thankfully tested me for some um, a different part of my blood, and it showed some elevated levels. And obviously, that started the chain of effect for me being diagnosed. But really interesting enough, it's amazing, the body and the mind connection and how it all works. As soon as that moment happened, I basically got the sickest I've ever been in my life. Like it was almost like I was holding it off, holding it off, surviving. And then like it was like a switch had flicked going, okay, you're going to get the healing and the therapy that you need now. You're going to become like we can relax and let it take over. Like it was such a profound thing to go as soon as that happened I started having like night sweats sweating through towels I couldn't walk to the letterbox I lost like 10 kilos in 10 days and it just was mind-blowing just how you you can hold yourself together so six months of um chemo and then was just super happy right like but People always go, you know, what a, you know, profound, you know, journey with cancer. What have you changed? And that first time I fought so hard to go back to my old life. And that old life was on the hamster wheel. That old life was, you know, living how everybody else thought I should live and still with stress. And I still wasn't prioritizing myself and really interesting kind of mindset. And then. Unfortunately, a routine colonoscopy found another tumor in 2019 with a different type of blood cancer. So that was a real kind of carpet getting ripped out of underneath your feet, right? You you go, shit, what did I miss the first time? What have I not seen? So the first time I look at it, I go, oh, I really got better for my daughter. Like that was my driving, you know, heal for your kids. And, you know, I still, you know, I wanted to be there when she grew up. The second time I went, okay, I've got to do shit different. 
I have to do this for me. I have to be my own best friend. I have to go inward. And I started my auntie who lives in Canada, actually, I jumped on some calls with her and she does a lot of spiritual um, healing. Um, and she started doing some work with me on fear and all this past life stuff and phenomenal stuff. And I released so much stuff around fear and self-love and self-doubt and it really set me on a really good strong path to go through what I had to go through with the second kind of I had four months of chemo and then I had a stem cell transplant which I was in hospital for a month and it coincided interestingly enough with my daughter's fifth birthday and her first day of school talking about self-love and being your own best friend you wouldn't believe this Heather but I was willing to put off my treatment of my stem cell. I did. I rang my doctor and I said, I'm doing this after my daughter's birthday and her first day of school. Mm. I was willing to put off my own well-being just to be there for those two days. And I was like, I, I kind of had an out-of-body experience one night when I you know, was asleep and then I woke up like almost bolt upright and went, what are you doing? If you're not well, you can't be there for anybody else even your daughter and I missed those two dates and irony now my daughter's nearly eight and three years ago she doesn't remember she knows that I was in hospital but does it bother her not a ounce like she doesn't increase you know it's weird what we will do because we've I had put so much emphasis on those two dates but really my health and me, it was kind of, I had to choose me. That was a real big aha. Like it even gets me a little emotional talking about it. I had to choose me. And that's hard sometimes when you're a mum, and, you know, but it's one of those things. And yeah, it's been, it's been a ride, but life's a ride. I always explain like healing after cancer, post-cancer as you're on a roller coaster, you're going on the ride anyway, strap in, you know, enjoy the highs, go through the lows. What are the learnings and enjoy your life? Like there's a lot of the ride that is not high or low. It's life and there's joy in the low and there's joy in the highs. It's what we choose to believe and choose to see. I really believe that cancer happened for me and not to me. And that gives me power and it gives me strength, I guess, because now doing what I do, I get to share and I wouldn't be able to do what I do if I hadn't experienced what I've experienced. So I feel blessed. That's mm. probably most people will sit there and go, that's a bit weird, but I do. I feel blessed. And it feels like it was part of my journey. It doesn't feel like a big thing. It doesn't feel like a small thing. It just feels right. I love that. And I really love what you said about the mind-body connection, because I think it's so much more important than many people give credit for. So what advice would you give to people who have just been diagnosed with cancer, keeping in mind that mind-body connection? Your mind has the power to make it a good experience or a bad experience. Um, and I say, you know, I saw a quote the other day, actually, and it's like, it's the same life whether you spend it laughing or crying. Mm. It's the same life whether you choose to see it as easy or hard. You know, it is the same life whether it's good or bad. We get to decide, you know, and 
I'm working with a couple of people that have been re-diagnosed and I don't usually work with them. I was working with them and then unfortunately they got re-diagnosed and feel the emotions. You, you're going to, you have to feel the emotions of it. You have to go through it, but don't live in it because if you follow the thought and it's so much about the fear and the overwhelm is always in the future. So you have to bring yourself back to right now and the information that you have and then allowing those emotions to not settle within the body because emotions are always, they're, they're not they're not part of us, they're outside of us, right? So if, as soon as we kind of start putting words to it or start thinking about them so much, we create a story to it and that's how we anchor it into our body and that's how we continue to follow on and create the what ifs and the fear and we kind of sit in that same story. So it's really going releasing that story around the what ifs and just focusing on the information in hand and doing your best you can to heal yourself and really focusing. And I guess this is what I did the second time different to the first is focusing on the future. Even if it doesn't feel real or you don't know, it's going, okay, how do I want to feel once I'm out of treatment? And then having that hope and, you know, fear is an unseen emotion. So is faith. So which one will you choose? And there'll be days when it's really hard. Like, don't get me wrong. There were days where I was threatened to go to ICU and it was really damn scary. But there was a flicker of hope. Like I talked to my Nana who has passed. I talked to the universe and asked for signs and just, you've got to do what you got to do. But also I would suggest making sure the people around you are really the right people. Mm. Community is everything. That was probably a lot. And I could give a lot lot of advice, but I always look at it. I don't know if you've heard this analogy of our, you know, our beliefs are driving the bus, right? So our beliefs are got their, you know, they're in the driver's seat. They've got their hands on the wheel. And our thoughts are the tour guide and the tour guide has all the power. They can reach over, pull on the handbrake, They can push the foot down on the accelerator. They can steer you in whatever way you want to go. So you really have to take handle of your thoughts because the, and then the words are affirming what's going on. So that's, that's the loop that we have to really kind of flip the switch on is our thoughts. Because if we're choosing to be in fear or thinking that this is it, and this is for anyone, it's not even with, you know, I've had my own health and wellness business and been in for decades. And even if it's weight loss or getting started with exercise, if you tell yourself you can't do something or you can't lose weight or you can't be healthy, you're correct. You know, if you tell yourself that you can do it, it's going to, that might hurt. Yes. You know, you've got to show up for yourself and you've got to do the work, but whatever you decide, you're right. Like, so Choose it to be easy. Start looking at your thoughts and flipping it because you 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 tell yourself that the bad stuff, start telling yourself the good stuff, that you can do it. I will do it. It gets to be easy. You know, I give myself permission to create an easy life. Yeah, I love that. And it brings to mind something I've heard where, and I don't know who said it, but it was, if you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. So I think that that's so true. And I love what you said about community and surrounding yourself with the right people, because I think 
when you are trying to keep your own mindset in the game and like, I'm going to do this and keep it positive and, you know, keep it easy and all of those things. If you have people around you that are saying like, oh, I'm so sorry, you're sick. It must, you must feel terrible and all of these things. And they don't bring the right energy into the room, so to speak, it's going to derail you. So I love what you said about that because I think it's so important. Oh, hundred percent. I, I do a little um, exercise with people. I'm like, you look at, write a list of all the people that you spend eighty percent of your time with, and then you think of it as a. Uh, there's three types of people. There's the pullers, the people that do keep you in the pity party. They want you to stay there. They want you to be like almost be miserable, so they give themselves permission to be miserable. You know, there's no money in the world. You can't do this. You know, let's go to the pub and drink every night. Um, then you've got the campers who just want to set up shop. They just want to, they're happy. They're just really content that you go do what you want to do. They'll still be there, you know, when you get back. And then you've got the climbers in your life that really want you to, you know, they're almost there holding your hand, pulling you up, pushing you from the bum up, like you can do it, keep going. And you kind of put them, put a name next to, you know, whether people are pullers, campers or climbers, and then you really know who you want to spend most of your time with, right? Because the top five people we spend our time with are, you know, the results that we generally get in our life. Now, I'm not saying with a puller, you know, you might go, oh, my goodness, my family members are some of the pullers in my life. It's not saying you don't have to hang out with them. You just choose what you tell them, you know, and you just be really mindful of, okay, whatever they say is not my life. That's the, They're saying it with love, but I'm not going to take it on board anymore. And I think it all comes down to what we, the stories, it all comes back to that mind-body connection, right? It's, yeah, but that's a little exercise that I always find quite fun and very eye-opening for people to go, oh, okay, got it. That's why that person drains me every time I hang around with them. Yeah, and it can be quite uplifting and energizing. When you're going through something so physically demanding and draining on your body, like chemo and, you know, trying to get your body healthy from cancer or any illness, really, how do you keep that mentality going? Like, I'm sure, like you said, there are some days you wake up and you're like, oh, I don't want to do this. But how do you switch that? How do you get that little glimmer of hope in there? Comes back to goals. And I think a lot of people I know, you know, cancer happened and I stopped dreaming because it was kind of like, what happens if I'm not here? What's the point? And that's that's a one way to get us out of fear and that's another way to keep us going. Um, and motivation is a myth. I believe motivation is a myth because, you know, and it comes down to why am I doing it? What do I want out of it? And then it's dedication and consistency and determination. It's, you know, no one... Some people love to go to the gym. Some people love to work out, but you've got to learn to just get up and do it anyway. And especially on the days that you don't want to, but it all comes back to the why, because if, so like if I was training now to lose weight, to look a certain way, I wouldn't get out of bed. I, w I just wouldn't do it, but I get out, I get up and do it because I know how it makes me feel, you know, and it's because actually we have to move our body to keep ourselves healthy. So, it, you know, it's the goals, it's the why, and show up for yourself. Um, I say to people, you know, you showed up for your cancer day in, day out for your treatment. Now it's time to show up for the rest of your life. 
Mm, that's so good. And I know that you said you had cancer and then it went into remission and then you got a different kind of cancer. So what do you think? And you said in that time, you kind of jump back into your previous life, the way you were doing things. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about mistakes that you see cancer survivors making. Yeah. Number one is they just, you just want to go back to your old, you fight to go back, but you've changed. You're not that same person. Um, And it's kind of like you see everyone else carrying on around you and you just want to slot back into that. But cancer is an opportunity to use it as a catalyst to choose change, to really live a life that you desire and you dream of. A lot of people don't get that. I know that people don't get that opportunity. We just walk around a little numb. So that would be one that I'm always just like focus on the future as well. So focus on living and not on the cancer story because problems only exist in our mind, right? So, you know, even if you're having an argument with the, your partner, your husband, your wife, your boss or whatever it's only a problem because we created a problem we put meaning around it and same with your cancer story the more we think about it the more energy we give it and then it stays within us so that's you know people talking about the cancer story it is a massive part but it's like driving that vehicle you got your windscreen to look forward and your rear view mirror to look back it's just take the learnings take the lessons and use it to help you move forward so the more that you live in that camp, there will be fear and there will be anxiety. Like this week for me is a checkup week. You know, I go and see my specialist, my hematologist. And a year ago, it would have been a mess. But I'm calm. I'm doing, you know, meditation. I'm, I listen to music. I set myself, I surround myself with good people. And I focus on my future and the way that I want to live. The third, I mean, another thing I would say is, People do something for a short time that makes them feel really good um, and gets them feeling like with energy and then we stop or we get sick or we just stop going to the gym or we let work take over and we just stop. I mean, I do it myself. You've probably done it in the past either. Like, you know, we just stop doing the thing that makes us feel good. So it's really just focusing on the future, letting go of the cancer story because it's not, it doesn't define us and it's not who we are. And that took a time for me to detach of, because you've got one job and that's to get better and that becomes your job, right? That becomes your life. You're fighting for your life. Your job is to fight for your life. And then once it's over, what now? That's such a beautiful reminder. And I love what you said about how we shouldn't stop doing things that make us feel good because I've, I have absolutely done that. I get it. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna work out. I'm gonna meditate. I'm gonna journal. I'm gonna do all these things. And I feel amazing. And then whatever life happens and I stop doing whatever, a piece of that, all of it, whatever. And then I start to feel like shit again. And I'm like, why? I don't understand. And, you know, we think once we're healed, quote unquote, that there's nothing left to do. But the reality is that we get to keep doing those things in order to maintain that level of health, mental, physical, all of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think the other, like, it comes back to that first thing too, is be your own best friend. It's not, 
if you can't get a workout in your meditation and you've got like a, a list of five things that might be a non-negotiables, but you can get three things done in a day, then you've done good. Like life happens, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And how are you Love feeling today? Yes, oh, let- I'm amazing. Like, yeah, I I literally am a man. Like, I'm I'm obsessed about my life. Like, I literally love my life. Like, I get to help people post cancer, find meaning about all this, like what they've been through. Um, like my heart, I like following my heart and what's on my heart is just. I feel really blessed and really lucky. Like for my whole life experience, for where I am today, and what I get to do. I just feel so blessed. So when you were going through this whole journey and you said you like learned about past lives and spirituality, what were some of your favorite things that you learned or discovered? One of them was like, apparently I was this, from a past life point of view, I was a magician, and but not a very nice one. <laughs> and that was like, they were still trying to come back into this world. And that was one thing. And I was kind of like, oh, this is really exciting. But I think... W- <laughs> It actually really connected to me back into that I am very intuitive, very, I am a light worker. And I like when I'm coaching people, I am very much intuitively saying stuff that I'm just like, okay, if it's coming, I'm going to say it. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, And I think it's allowed that to heal me and reconnect me to being okay to be that way, you know, and I really give credit to a lot of other women out there that, you know, manifestation and being spiritual and all those good things is really kind of accepted now. That's probably what I learned most is that I actually connected back into me Mm. um, and it connected me with some very cool people that have helped me and continue to guide me to reconnect to this part of me. And I'm really open to it. Yeah. And actually, when you were telling the story about being on the bridge and like the thought coming to you that maybe I have cancer, that was the first thing I thought. That's your intuition speaking to you. You know, there's something to that for sure. So I'm glad that you connected with it. Yeah. So I would love for you to tell my listeners where they can find you. Sure. So anywhere life lifepostcancer.com um, on Instagram, lifepostcancer, Facebook, lifepostcancer. And that's just the easiest way, I guess, to connect and find me and come and chat. Like I love to chat. Like um, you can probably, <laughs> I'm a talker. Yeah. So don't just come, you know, like the page, but, you know, send me a message and say hi. Cause I think that's what it's about. I just, if you've got a question, happy to answer it. Yeah. You have been so much fun to talk to. And I just, it warms my heart because you could easily, like you were saying before, you could play the victim and be like, oh my God, why'd this happen to me? And you have really taken it and been like, you've been coming at it with the approach of this has happened for me. It's not a big part of my life. It's not a small part of my life. It's just a part of my life. It's made me who I am. I've learned some lessons and it's just such a beautiful way to approach anything that some people may look at as a death sentence. Yeah. Thank you. I've done the work. We've made it sound like it's so easy, you know, <laughs> but yes, it. I have no <laughs> doubt that there was a lot of work put in. Absolutely. Before I let you go, I like to ask my guests 
five questions and I just want you to answer the first thing that comes to your mind. It doesn't have to be a short answer, but it's just a way for my listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Sure. What were you doing the last time that you lost track of time? That's going to sound really sad, but I was working. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I like, literally, I lose myself in putting together, like I'm doing a five-day challenge at the moment, and I lose myself in create, like creating content and putting stuff together to help. And I want to say something more fun, but, yeah, I can lose hours. Yeah, but it's different, I think, when you're working for yourself and you're doing something that you love versus if you're working for someone else, you know, it's it's harder to, I don't know about you, but I used to be in corporate and I would always be watching the clock. I'm like, how much longer do I have to do this? So it it is nice now, you know, when you get really into something, you could absolutely lose track of time. It's not sad. <laughs> what is something you're excited about right now? We are buying a house. Oh, fun. Yeah. And um, we sold our last house. We built it and we are literally on a little adventure to find another new house. And I think we might have found one and we're like really like embracing living. Like we're buying a house. We're looking at buying a jet ski, you know, and it's not to be flashy or, you know, but we want to be on the water. We that's probably something I should have said is that we want to like experience and live life, you know, and I'm scared to be back on the water. Like I've lost a bit of confidence around that kind of stuff, but that's where I put myself in those uncomfortable situations to go, no, I can do it. Like I can do anything I put my mind to. And, you know, being able to have memories for my daughter and stuff on the water and in a new home. And it's just a really exciting time. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so amazing. And I love that you have to live. And I'm sure that after being through what you've been through, that comes through even more. Like you are here to live life. You're not here to sit on the sidelines. You're not here to pay bills and die. Like there's so much more to it and you should have fun and do all the amazing things while you're here. Yeah. If there was an extra hour in each day, what would you spend it doing? First thing that comes to my mind is just hugging my daughter. Like I love, like I love lying on the couch with her. Oh, this is gonna. <laughs> Don't judge me, but I love Disney, and I love just you know sitting there watching Barbie, watching like any movie, but just that time where she snuggles in, and is just like if I had an extra hour where it's just that was given in a day, oh, my heart would be full, and I like. I'm sorry, but if your listeners don't watch Barbie, they should because there's so many learnings in Barbie. And they have a quote at the end of every movie that is always amazing. I have, I think, almost every Barbie movie on DVD because my kids are a little older now, but they used to love them all. And I, I don't remember if it's before the credits or after the credits, but there is a quote and they're so good. (laughs) like it's amazing like I even quoted something to my husband the other day and he's like that's really bad but wow that's such oh shit like you know if you feel like you're being excluded and you're not being invited to do things we have that we're excluding ourselves because more often than not we're saying no Mm -hmm. or we're just making up the story in our head that people are excluding us like that was a game changer for me I was like wow, I am actually saying no. And then wondering why no, I'm not doing anything. 
Yeah. Thank that, you, Bobby. That Thank Barbie you. is, she's pretty smart. I'm telling you. And I don't judge you for the whole snuggling thing. My kids are now 11 and 15. I have two daughters and they don't snuggle with me anymore on rare occasion. I'm, I'll get a hug or a little a side hug sometimes from the older one, you know? So yeah. enjoy every second of that snuggle time. Absolutely. <laughs> How would your best friend describe you? Strong, inspired. I think would do anything for anyone and just, I'd like to say a good time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like to have a laugh and be a bit of a dork. Amazing. All right. Last question. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? Stop giving a shit about what other people think of you. Yes. <laughs> Love that. Surely one. that comes up all the time. That's ruled my life. Like before cancer, before everything, I had body images, like problems. It's just, oh, that person doesn't think I shouldn't do it, so I won't do it. And wow. I mean, it even comes up now being in, you know, business for myself, like, I'm really good at coaching people, but sometimes I don't like marketing and being on social. I'm like, you know, like, and then all the self-doubt and what people had people judging me because I'm working in the space, you know, like it's still there, but I just do it anyway because I'm like, you know what? If it happened again, I'm not going to let other people dictate to me how I live my life. But yeah, stop and oh, and stop worrying about what your body looks like. <laughs> Whoa. I'm just sorry. I'm, I know that was two things, but no, wow. <laughs> I, I'm just learning that now. I'm 46. And I would say within the last year or two, I'm finally starting to like understand it's not about what I look like. Do I like to look good? Sure. It makes me feel confident, but it's more about the feeling than the actual body image and to stop comparing myself to models or the Kardashians or whoever is famous at the moment, you know, because none of yeah. that matters. It's about who I am and what I can do to help others. 100%. Well, Lorinda, I have enjoyed talking to you so much. I love your energy and I could sit here and talk to you all day. I am so glad you joined me today. Thanks for having me, Heather. It was, it's been amazing. You are a breath of fresh air, honestly. It's been such a time. Thank you. I love what Lorinda said about making sure that the people around you are the right people. I think this is super important when you're going through illness and when you're not. I actually don't even like to tell people when I'm sick because their immediate worry about my health is not something I feel like I need to deal with in that moment. Jill Bolte-Taylor, who wrote My Stroke of Insight, talks about this in such a beautiful way. She says that people either bring you positive energy or they take it away and that it is up to them to be responsible for what kind of energy they put out into the world. And after she had her stroke, she was insistent that if someone came to visit her, that they bring her positive energy like hope and joy instead of taking it away. And if they couldn't do that, she didn't want them in the room. Lorinda and I also talked about that it's said that you are the combination of the five people that you spend the most time with. So it's important that you are surrounding yourself with people who are supportive and encouraging and not those that will drag you down and project their shit onto you. Lorinda categorizes people into the pullers, the campers, and the climbers. So take a look at the people closest to you and see what category they fall into. Links to connect with Lorinda are in today's show notes, so feel free to check those out if you're interested. If you love today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you would head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star rating and review. 
The world needs more conversations that matter. And by leaving a review, you help my podcast get seen by more people. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day. This podcast episode is brought to you by Prompts to Purpose, my free workbook that will help you stop spinning your wheels and start remembering your gifts. Inside, you'll find 25 journal prompts to get you thinking about things in a new way so that you can find your purpose and start living the life of your dreams. If you're ready to dive in, get on my email list by clicking on the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio, and I'll send it over. Come on in and see what everyone is talking about. 